0: Now that we've started super great right there. Hey, I'm Brandon. Um, man, I know a lot of you, which is super fun for me because I'm like, why are all these people in the same place? I know you from so many different like realms of life and I'm standing right in front of the projector. I'm moving over here. And um, and so like that just makes me so happy. Seth, I was Seth's youth pastor when he was a little runt. And Seth is now a man, which is pretty cool. Wow. that's how, you know, years and time and all biology works. Courtney, I was her youth pastor. I know Izzy, and I know Daniel, and I know some of your people who are here. I know their siblings. It's just weird. It's just weird how this whole thing works, but it's so cool. And I met some new friends tonight and just hearing people's stories. And, uh, you know, I met Corey. Um, I met Corey. Corey, when did we meet? August? Probably. Yeah. It was like it was like my first or second day at this new job, and one of the pastors I worked with was like, "You got to meet this guy, Corey." We met Corey for some like Thai food or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, "Who's this like gaunt, scrawny man?" <laughs> and I think he means handsome. And handsome, <laughs> stunning, uh, well-spoken, uh, all those things. But um, I was I was kind of like, "Who is this guy? And what is he doing?" And um, I I basically just made an offer to Corey. I was like, hey, if you want me to pour into your life, I'll do it. But, um, and so, anyways, that's why I'm here, as I think Corey and I have developed this friendship. It's been really cool to see him grow a ton spiritually and to be part of this journey and to be hanging out with you guys tonight. And so, uh, here's a few highlights about my life. uh, Because that whole, like, when you're a speaker and you go places, you're supposed to tell people and connect with them and all those things. So this is my sad attempt at death. Um, I'm married. I have a wife. Her name's Lisa. I have a daughter who's two years old, and we have a baby on the way, which is super cool. Um, I grew up in the poorest county in Michigan. Fun fact. Also kind of depressing. Um, I've spent time doing church ministry in different contexts, um, including Central City, New Orleans. Uh, I spent part of a a month in India a couple years ago, which I know my friend Izzy has done as well. And my buddy uh, Seth is over there right now. Seth's over there right now, right? Am I a liar? Yeah, his bro- brother. His brother. His brothers. His yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. There it is. Sibling head nod. And um, and I spent uh, when I was 19, I lived in Zambia for a while in Africa, which was unbelievably awesome and amazing, life shaping. I got cut from the Dallas Cowboys. That's a different story for a different day. And uh, don't worry, it wasn't anything cool. It was just a kicker. Um, and then. I used to sleepwalk and pee in the kitchen trash can as a kid. So, there's a fun fact. And if you don't remember anything, maybe you're like, oh, this guy used to pee in the trash can. Um, yeah, so that was part of my journey. Anyway, so, t- all right, we're, I'm just going to cut to it. Corey has told me that this is a group of people that just wants people to tell them here's what it is, and I want to encourage you in it. And I love so much the mentality that's here. Is you don't have to believe to belong mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to I point you to some things that I believe to be true in God's word And I believe it's all true And it changed my life um, Maybe a little bit differently than the testimony that you shared I did not grow up in church And uh, I was actually so bad, my parents sent me to a Christian school And they weren't Christians They were like, maybe the Christians can get you fixed <laughs> And um, had a very significant uh, transformation in Christ um, when I was in high school, and that has shaped my life I praise God that my mom and dad and my older sister all love and follow Jesus this day, which is awesome I Praise God for that And so, you know, there's so many things, you know If this was like the only opportunity I ever had to like look you in the eye and tell you something I think this is one of the things I tell you, you know You're starting a new year, right? 2019, new year, same you, right? Um, there's like all these things that you're supposed to do, right? And, um, and and don't get me wrong, those things are good It's good to have some goals It's good that whether that's with your career or with your schooling Or with relationships Or with spiritual habits Or, you know, something with your exercise and diet oh, no, Those things aren't bad But what I'm going to talk about tonight in, in this first scripture is Psalm 90, 12. It says this, teach us to number our days That we may gain a heart of wisdom Teach us to number our days To count our days And we're going to come back to this passage And I want to share a three part Kind of biblical operating system Right? Here's some things that you can go back to Not just in January when it feels good To set goals But here's three things you can go back to Throughout the year Throughout your years in life Into God's word That's what I want to share with you tonight Our core passage is going to be from Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And I want to read this and tell you a story, and then we're going to drill into this a little bit more. It says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. End of sermon. (laughs) You wish. Um, But like those who are wise, verse 16 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Verse 17, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do understand. How do you understand what the Lord wants you to do? How do you get there? I was actually having a conversation with somebody right here in this room. How do I know what to surrender? How do I know what to give to God? What is he inviting me to? We're going to drill into that a little bit. So I had a friend in college. Um, Anybody ever live in a dorm room? Okay. Anybody seen a dorm room or a picture of a dorm room? Uh, Usually they're really small, right? They're small little rooms. It might be from like you know, here on uh, over to the bathroom, and that that's it. And so in college, uh, it was pretty cool because we had like a like a normal suite. So you'd have like a dorm room, a bathroom connects them, and then another dorm room. You know what I'm talking about? And then across the hall, we had a quad, which meant that was just fancy for saying four people must live in this room. <laughs> quad means four, you know. And so we had we we had this great idea. We said, what if eight of us, the people in the suite, the people in the quad made this like super dorm, right? And so we would make the quad room just a hangout room and have projector in there, TVs, stadium seating, you know, couches, which was pretty cool for dorm life. And then we put all of our desks in one room and then we tried to put all the beds in one room and apparently you can't fit eight beds in there or, or four bunk beds. So we had people to just put a mattress on the floor. But we did this. We wanted to create community. We wanted to be different. This was like our legacy, and people still talk about us to this day. At least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> and uh, So I had this friend, Joel. Joel was a good dude, but he was kind of like that guy that if you walk into a room and people are like hanging out talking, He would just say that one weird thing that would make the new person feel so uncomfortable. Some of you, you're that person, you know? Yeah, 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 you are. Yeah, Yeah. you you do make me feel uncomfortable. Um, But others of you, you know, you've met people like that. And so Joel was this guy, and he was just this huge personality. He dropped out of school, and not hating on that, but he dropped out of school, and he would come back and visit us every weekend. And, and, and that was, like, cool for a little bit. So I'm like, oh, Joel's our buddy, you know, all this stuff. Well, then one time, he, he just didn't leave. So he just stayed there for, like, 10 days. And if you know anything about college guys that live in a dorm, there's not a lot of showering that happens, laundry that happens. It was gross. He would eat, like, corn nuts. You ever seen corn nuts? They stink. And you're like, dude, you're kind of killing the community vibe here. And so it was like, all right, we've got to have this time conversation with Joel, and I promise this. Tether back to what we're talking about in the Bible. (laughs) Eventually, I had to have this hard conversation with Joel and say, hey, we love you, but you can only come here on the weekends. You can't live here. You know, you've got a place to live. There's eight of us trying to survive in this weird dorm. And, um, And so we love you. You can't live here. And we basically just said weekends only, bro. And as we start thinking about this year, how many times have we indirectly maybe said, we're going to set all these goals, we want to grow spiritually, but we just reduce our relationship with God to the weekend only, to an hour on a Sunday morning, or on a Thursday night, and we say, weekends only, Jesus. Like, like, yeah, I believe in you, and that's all good, but the rest of the week, the rest of the six days, or the six and a half days, they're going to be about me, I'm not going to think about you, I'm just going to get my Jesus fix in, in a minute. And the truth is, is that Jesus wants to be with us in our everyday spaces and places, he wants to go with us as we're on mission. He wants to be a part of it. He wants us to think about him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to be reflecting on his word so that we can have the bravery like this guy did to get up here and say, here's how God's changed my life. Yeah. And and so in here, this is not something I've arrived on, not because I have you know a Bible degree or work at a church. I haven't mastered this. This is just as much for me as it is for you. So let's go back to Ephesians 5, 15-17 It says, don't be careful how you live Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do And so a guy named Paul was writing this Paul wrote half of the New Testament He had this radical transformation You know, his is a great story that there's no one who's ever done too been too far away from God that can't be redeemed That's Paul's story and and what he's saying, you know, in the first couple chapters of this of this book that he wrote called Ephesians, he, he's emphasizing theology and doctrine and all that stuff. But here in chapter five, what he's doing is he's how he's explaining here's how you put your faith into practice. You know, you've had this radical transformation in your life. Now what do you do? You know, Jesus has changed your life, or you've maybe you're here and you're like, I've heard people talk about Jesus changed their life, or Jesus came into their life, or for some reason. And and here is now what you do Here is now how you love Jesus back with your life And it was kind of like Paul was putting his arm around the people in Ephesus Saying this I really want you to do this I really want you to live this way He's trying to convince them that this is the way to go So whether you're new to faith in Christ Or you're exploring it Or you've been following Jesus for a very, very long time Paul says this Literally make the most of every opportunity And literally what this translated to back When he was writing this in the Greek Is buy back the time Buy back the time Get the time back Redeem the time that you have Did you know time is the one Unreplenishable resource in the world? Did you know that? People have been trying to defeat time for a long time And escape death and you can't do it You can get more money You can get more popularity, you can get more friends, you can get all these other things, but you can't get time back. And Paul is saying, make the most of the time. Seize the day to best accomplish God's will. Not just your goals for this year, God's goals that he's going to accomplish in and through you. And some of you need to hear this tonight, that your spiritual growth doesn't just matter when you graduate from college or you get that next job or you get married. It actually matters right now. It actually matters really much, very much, so today. And the truth is, is that there's no one concerned with your spiritual growth and cheering you on more than God Himself. He wants it for you. God is not trying to trick you. He's not trying to make you stumble. He's not trying to make you feel defeated. He actually is rooting for you. Psalm ninety twelve, teach us to number our days, so that we might seize those days, that we gain a heart of wisdom. These these verses in Psalm 90 and Ephesians 5 You know, really capture this idea of time And there's two kinds of time that we see That are mentioned in the New Testament In the Bible The first is chronos time This is where we get the word chronology, right? You know, like it's chronological order Okay, chronos time is a specific moment in time That it's 8.03 on December whatever it is today um, Here in Indianapolis, Indiana What's that? January tenth. Yeah, January tenth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. From a Michigan fan. I'll let it slide because I like your shirt. Um, Excuse me. Um, But Kronos time is a specific time. It's measurable. It's in minutes and seconds and dates. And then there's Kairos time. And this is a a time that sometimes God God measures that we don't always see. This is more about the season that we're in or the opportune time. That we might find ourselves in I'll say it another way Kairos time measures seconds Or Kronos time measures seconds And Kairos time measures moments And so I want to give us three biblical Kind of principles to go through here real quick And the first one is this You need to slow down And discern the season that you're in Some of you How many of you feel like you're you're kind of moving fast and crazy right now? You got a lot of things to be at. Some of you are still coming out of that, like, Christmas break feel, you know, or whatever it is. I like to move fast. I want to I want to conquer the hill. I want to move on to the next thing. I want to get things done. And sometimes what I miss in that is actually reflecting on what God was teaching me the past year. What God was teaching me last week. What God was teaching me in the moment I missed earlier today with my wife or with a coworker or with an opportunity, whatever it might be. And so we need to, before we're going to figure out what we're going to surrender to God this year, we need to actually take time to discern the season he's bringing us out of and the one he's bringing us into. Taking time to reflect what's actually going on in your life. Maybe taking time to address some of the pain that you experienced in 2018 and bringing that before God. Maybe taking some time to say, man, I've been killing it in school. or I've been killing it in, in my job, but my relationships are in the tank. Or maybe things have been going really great for you spiritually, but you haven't been applying yourself at work or in school. Maybe there's some things that you've just been negative about, even though there's all these blessings and fruit coming into your life. Maybe you're coming out of a season of isolation. Maybe you're feeling, you know, you just got out of that relationship, and you didn't choose to end the relationship, but it did. It happened. And now you're left holding the pieces. For some of you, even in the pain, even in the loneliness or the confusion, We need to realize this, that the season that you wish away is often the season you're going to get the most from. And somebody needs to hear that tonight. Somebody needs to be reminded that the season that's really, really hard, or a season that's really confusing, or a season where you maybe feel like you're not hearing from God for some reason. You know, you were describing that, like, everyone else had this moment, what's wrong with me? The season that you wish away or don't understand is often the one you're going to get the most from. But just remember that God doesn't always measure time in seconds. Often it's measured in seasons and moments. You know, when I was uh, when I was a young lad in my uh, early twenties, um, it was my I think it was my junior year or senior year, going into my senior year of college. I'd been in a dating relationship for like three and a half years. I bought a wedding ring for this person. Um, I thought I was going to marry her. And uh, I, I didn't. And I broke up with her. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. It was the right thing to do. And um, a week after that, I had three of my best friends that I've had for 10 years. Played sports with, stayed in touch during college. I mean, people who actually led me to Christ. I had them betray me in a very serious way. Uh, tell some very significant lies about me and some things going on. And uh, I was like, what the heck? These are people I'm supposed to be looking up to, and I feel like they're treating me like crap. Then I found out the next week that a mentor of mine, very prolific, significant figure in our community, um, had been living a lie for years. And he was found out, and he got in serious legal trouble. So in three weeks, the person I thought I was going to marry, I broke up with them, returning a ring, Really weird moment. Let me just tell you that. Um, Really hard moment. And I was dealing with the pain of feeling like I ruined this person's life by not marrying them. I was dealing with um, feeling betrayed by two people I really respected. And this person that mentored and shaped my life, it made me think, man, has this whole thing been a lie? And I was in this season where it was like, God, I know you're real and I know you're good, but I'm not hearing from you. I actually don't even want to talk to you. I don't want to address you um, because I'm mad. And this felt like a season that wasn't going to go away. I was upset with myself because I'm like, I I wish I was feeling God in this moment. I wish I was, and I wasn't living like crazy or anything like that. I wasn't making choices like that. But I'm like, God, where are you? It feels pretty lonely right now. And I'm ready for this thing to change And I remember Taking that and trying to surrender it Trying to give it to him and Lord I give this over To you but let me tell you It didn't just all happen and go away in a second For me now God can work in a second But he often works in the process of time And God often works in the Process of time to grow us And I'm going to skip A couple of slides here but I want you to go to The picture of the Golden Gate Bridge When I I when I, it was, I think it was, 2015, my wife and I went on a trip to California, and um, going and seeing the Golden Gate Bridge was really cool. We rode bikes across it. Quick little memo for you. If you ever ride bikes across the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, get the good ones, not the low grade, cheap ones, because uh, you'll never make it. Um, <laughs> it's really uphill when you're, you're trying to get up there. But what was beautiful about this, is this wasn't just airlifted into place, right? It wasn't just airlifted and then set into place, like and ready to use the next day. It was built over a process of time that's useful, that's productive, that's beautiful. And in a similar way, you know, we went to uh, Yosemite National Park, right? And when I was when I was 19, one of the best trips of my life was me and some of the bros went backpacking for 10 days. I mean, just ultimate dude trip. And we got our like little. Little bear grills, knives, and we're like MREs and gross melted granola bars, and you know purifying our water, all this stuff. It's awesome. I love that. Well, when you go ten years later with your wife, <laughs> okay, it's a little different trip. Like we had this fancy like canvas tent that was elevated off the ground and basically a cabin, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know you have electricity and all this stuff, but it was it, 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 it was its own awesome season and a different experience going through them. But what I love about Yosemite is these sequoia trees. And I'll tell you, the pictures of them are cool, but it doesn't do it justice. They're immaculate, these gorgeous trees. We're going to show you one of those pictures right now. This one's the grizzly giant, estimated age 3,800 years and over 200 feet in height. And the, 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 the Diameter of the base, 34 feet Just crazy And what I love about these sequoia trees And I think a couple of you heard me talk about trees before um, But man, there's something so beautiful in that That God plays the long game That even though he can heal a broken heart in a minute Even though he can change a moment and breathe life into it in a second Oftentimes He chooses to play the long game So it grows us You know, we we celebrate Christmas And as Christians, you know, that that is a celebration Of Christ's arrival into this world The Messiah, the true King of kings, Lord of lords And here's what's amazing When Adam and Eve sinned And did wrong and broke covenant with God He could have sent Jesus Right then to fix it But he didn't, he waited For the right season The opportune time within God's will, And God's plan right moment in human history. And when he sent Jesus, he didn't send him 33 years old, fully bearded. He sent him as a baby. So even in God's delivery of the goods, he waited. He waited in a process for Jesus to grow in wisdom and stature. The Savior of the world came in you know, a diaper. And he could have saved us in a second. Like that. He chose a right moment He chose a process And I want you to know that God is Absolutely with you in waiting Even when you don't feel Him Even when you don't ask for Him He's right there waiting with you And for you He's with you in the process He's with you on the journey He's with you in the season that you wish would just go away What's amazing is Sequoias can grow up to like Two or three hundred feet like this one here amazing. Two or three hundred feet. Beautiful. And the average base of a sequoia can be as much, you know, this one's 30 some feet, that can be 40 feet. There was even one in history that was a hundred feet in diameter. Insane. But the truth is, the sequoia tree, when it's a seed, needs, absolutely needs for a brutal winter for it to grow. It needs the tough season that blows it around, but it's just a little seed. And you know what's amazing? Is that these these little seeds grow, and this little tree grows two feet a year at a time. That big thing was a tiny little seed, and it grew literally two feet a year until it was fully mature. Some of you are ready to be in your best life right now. Some of you are ready to be Married, with 2.2 kids, a six-figure job, your own house. Some of you are ready to explore the world and you're frustrated that you can't. Some of you are ready for adventure. Some of you are ready to meet that right person. Some of you are ready for, for God to open up a door that you've been asking him to open up for years and years and years. But the truth is, is that in the brutalized winter... When the wind is strong, when it feels like God is absent, when it feels like God might even be cold, those may be the seasons that he's growing you two feet by two feet by two feet. And I believe that there are absolutely sleeping giants of the faith sitting in this room waiting to be wakened, waiting to be grown up. When I look at some of you guys when you're singing that song of worship, the way that you interact with each other. You guys are building into each other's lives. The fact that you chose to come tonight, you, you built into somebody else's life tonight. The opportunities and the conversations and discussion time and afterwards and the text messages, you don't know. What happens if Corey chooses month, a, a year plus ago not to throw up a birthday party at his house? What happens if, if Daniel decided not to show up for three months in a row? What happens if homeboy sitting in the front row running the slide says, I'm not coming to this thing anymore? What happens when you guys stop texting each other encouragement or, man, I feel like I'm so stupid. This is like John 3, 16. Why is God prompting me to send this to somebody? But you send it to them. It's exactly what they needed to hear because they just got out of this relationship. They need to be reminded of God's love. So how are you going to lean into that growth this year? No one can do it for you. God wants it for you as much as anybody. He wants to grow you up this year in Him. In maybe an unorthodox way. How can you lean into it? The second thing is how do you surrender the season? Once you've discerned the season you're coming out of and that God might be leading you into, how do you give that over to God? How do you give it to Him? Not in five months, but today. That relationship thing, today. The addiction thing, how do you take that step to say, God, I want to give this to you today to help? The struggle, the drinking that's excessive, the stuff that's not honoring to God, the way you're cutting corners at school or in work, how do you give it to him today? Surrender it over to him. How do you surrender the season of the unknown, of the undefined, of the disappointment, the season of waiting? Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand Understand what the Lord wants you to do Discern it and then give it to him And the third thing I want to give you three practical things under this is Seize his promises Seize his promises God's got got good things for you And he's going to be with you in all those seasons So what can I do to seize the promises of God And the first thing is this And you've heard this a million times If you've ever been to a church Read the Bible Do you know why pastors keep saying that? Just people don't start doing it. Mm-hmm. If we know what's good for us, whether it's one minute, I, there was a there was a group of high school guys I led one time, and they committed a pact that when, and whenever they would take a number two, that they would instead of playing games, get out their Bible app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can? And I'm not, you know. I'm not saying that, but like but a minute, five minutes of truth, of God's intake and in his saying this is this is who he is and this is who you are each and every day. Seize his promises, seize his truth. You need it. I don't care if you've taken seminary classes or Bible classes or whatever it is, we need the truth of God's word in our lives. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's gonna refine us and grow us in him. It's gonna remind us of Who he says he is. And then you can do Bible plans on your phone. The Read Scripture app is awesome. The Bible app is awesome. He reads truth. She reads truth. The dog reads truth. Whatever it is. Like a verse a day, 15 minutes a day, whatever it is. The second is this. Lean into Jesus-centered community. Lean into it. Embrace it. It's unique. It's rare to find. Don't waste that away Don't waste the opportunity for a relationship And meaningful Christ-centered friendship That could be in this room Or the church families that you belong to Whatever that looks like And some of you just need to invite a trusted friend In I know this When people have asked me Will you mentor me spiritually I very rarely say no <laughs> Do you know why? Because it's one of the most humbling things That I could ever do for somebody That somebody would say Hey, there's something I see in your life And I, I, I need that I'm gonna make time for that person. So some of you need to seek those people out that you think might be on the fence and wanna ask you and don't have the courage to, okay? And and do it in a humble way. And others of you need to go and ask somebody that you respect. Say, some, I know this, my wife's awesome at this, like naturally she gets together with her friends and they like do this, right? Like they talk about these things. I'm like, I need to get you on my calendar for one hour over, and the coffee has to be involved or we can't do it, you know? And so some of us need to be intentional to carve that time out, make it a consistent thing. Otherwise, it might slip away. And the the third thing is this. Corey asked me to touch on fasting. And I'm not going to go too deep dive into this, but we do have some resources available in case you want to. Um, Fast from something. This is a way to seize God's promise. In the the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, we see the value and practice of biblical fasting, of of maybe giving something up, surrendering something up, and instead using that time or that hunger you have for that thing. To spend time with Jesus, to spend some time flushing out the junk out of your life. (laughs) Uh. Little do you know, I asked them to go in there and do that. (laughs) It's the only thing in my notes I've actually said. Um, But uh, fasting really can allow us a meaningful time and space to turn our hearts towards God in a new way. And uh, it's not just denying yourself; it's denying yourself so you can be filled by Christ with that. And so for some people, this might be with food or a certain kind of food or giving up a, a meal a day. You know, you really want to make sure you're not doing anything too crazy. Do your research. Maybe talk to a health professional and get out the Google machine, those kinds of things. When it comes to food and, and water and all those kinds of things, you really want to be wise on that. Um, it can be really powerful to, to you know, um, we our church family went through uh, a fast for 40 days in August and September, and it was a very powerful time where God spoke to us collectively as a group, but also individually. But the, 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 the goal is not to just deny yourself, it's to be filled with Christ mm-hmm. and moments with Him that you may not lean into if you didn't give that thing up. We see that David, King David, humbled himself with fasting. There was a widow in the New Testament who worshiped day and night by fasting and praying. The early church practiced fasting, and Jesus fasted Matthew 4, 1-2, through 2, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. God was hungry. And, and this is at the beginning, you know, right, right as Jesus is about to start his public ministry. And when, before God did something big through his one and only Son, he modeled to us, he modeled to us, Getting away, giving something up, and being filled with the presence of God in a very fresh way. Jesus was tempted, did you know this? Jesus was tempted with basically these things, if we were to summarize it, with pleasure, with power, and with popularity. Three things that are still very real to this day. Pleasure, power, popularity. Somebody in this room needs to give up something in their life That's unhealthy for them, that's feeding one of those beasts Of rewarding yourself with something that you shouldn't be rewarding yourself with Maybe something that's actually not God at all For some of you, you're chasing manipulating power And authority And credibility And others of you just want to be liked say things, you dress a certain way, you do things, guys and girls alike. Because you want people to love you for the first time. You're trying to perform for them for some reason because we, we can be deeply wounded by things in our childhood and our adolescent years. Or in, a, in some sort of emotionally or verbally or physically abusive relationship. Because one of these three pleasure Power and popularity that you need to give up. Fasting and praying can help you hear from God, reveal hidden sin, it'll strengthen your intimacy with God, it'll teach you to pray in a new way. When you're really giving up something that mattered that much to you or filled some sort of void, it can build your faith. Mm-hmm so I want to just, I'm just going to end with this. Before you head into this next season in front of you, what needs to be surrendered? And where do you need to draw that line and say, God, not in a year, not in eight months, but I'm getting serious right now. This isn't so he'll love you more. His grace is sufficient. Okay? Mm -hmm. This is not so you can perform for God. It's so you can draw nearer to him. So you can grow in him. So you can know him better. And that he can get you ready and prepared, just like that baby little sequoia tree, to be ready to rise up and do the thing he's asking you to do. Do the thing that he's calling you to do. Doing the thing that you were born and meant to do that nobody else could do. That this bro with the beard and the beanie on, there are people that he can influence that none of you can. There are people in his family and in his life in the spaces that he works and, and does favorite places that he goes, that you will never have access to. And the same is true of you. Wherever your age, whatever your spiritual maturity, whatever that is, there are things in your life that somebody in this room and somebody in rooms ahead of time need to hear you be real and say, I felt weird when everyone else was feeling God and I wasn't feeling God. The testimony does not have to just be this sex, drugs, rock and roll, I was so far from God doing all this crazy stuff. And sometimes it is. But what does it mean to leverage that influence? But well, let's surrender it this year. Let's give it over. Let's give over. let's maybe push into fasting, the spiritual discipline. Discern the season, surrender the season. Seize his promises. Get in your Bible. If this is the last thing I could tell you, like that is the single thing. It's going to put you in proximity and remind you of God's truth each and every day. One verse, five verses. Do it, please. Your life will be so... I'm not saying your life's going to be perfect or everything's going to be feel-good and unicorns and rainbows and bunnies hopping around getting ready to deliver you your favorite cheesecake. (laughs) Man, that sounds good. Um, Get into God's Word. Lean into Jesus-centered community. Give something up. Give something up to be filled up Give it over to lean in in a new way um, to the Lord this year. Um, I'll pray for you. Let's pray. I'll stop talking. God, thanks for these people. There's a lot of courage in this room. There's a lot of hunger in this room. None of us want to be mediocre this year Help us to realize that we don't have to perform For you That your grace is sufficient You love us as we are Lord help us to lean into the growth That you have for us this year Help us to embrace it Help us to Hear what you would have us to do As Ephesians 5 talks about Help us to make the most of every opportunity Help us to lean into your voice bring people into our lives that, and maybe the people that are already in our lives that we just need to grab onto, Lord, so we can be built up spiritually, that we can be real and vulnerable and honest. Thank you for the authenticity in this room. Thank you for the depth in these people. Thank you for the compassion in their hearts. And Lord, I just want to pray a blessing for those who are not sure You've designed them to honor you I pray that it would be so clear That people would rise up and start A ministry They would start influencing The people they work with, the people they live with The people that they're neighbors with God, that there would just be some movement That we've never seen In the city In the schools in the towns That are represented God, mobilize this group In their circle of influence May we see that real ministry happens in everyday spaces and places. Lord, we're going to be ready for it. We want to receive all that you have for us this year. We want to walk in it. And I just pray that you would give this group the courage that they don't have to have all the answers, that they don't have to look the part, But Lord, you're going to equip them. Holy Spirit, you're going to mobilize them and move them. So help them to discern what they need to give over. Lord, just, just... fresh way, whisper in their ears and their hearts. May they be patient. May they see that you are growing them. Maybe they see where that you have grown them. Pray play a, I just pray a blessing on their lives, this ministry, and what you're doing in and through it. Lord without you just thank you. Amen.